Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy's sermon is titled, Incomparably Great Power, from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Prayer is your connection to God. Prayer is your connection to the power of God, which raised Jesus from the dead. Prayer is your connection to the authority of Jesus, to heal diseases and to demolish evil. Prayer is your connection to the tenderness of Jesus, to heal broken hearts and restore lives. Stay connected. Hi, hi friends. Hi everybody online. We say hi to everybody online. Hello. Hello. I just love it. You guys are, there are so many people that are not here this morning and it's still packed out. So that means that there's new people here for the first time or the first couple of times. I just want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. It takes courage to show up to a church for the first time. So you are so welcome here. You're part of the family. And um, I want to remind you that if you are new um, or new to the church within the past uh, year, uh, every month we're going to be starting doing welcome lunches so that people can get to know each other. Our first one is today. So if you are newish to the church, um, come after second service about 12.15. We're going to have a huge spread in the fellowship hall. Come get food. Come get to know each other. And if you can't make today, then there'll be way more chances. So welcome, everybody. Hi. So uh, let me introduce you to what we believe is a church. And we do this every single week because we want our church to be not run by personalities, but by a vision that is at the center of God's heart. We believe three things. Um, this is, can we say them together? Number one, there is hope beyond our brokenness, always. There is nothing, as Zed said so beautifully, there is nothing that disqualifies you from God's love. There is nothing that disqualifies you from being used right now by God to do something good and beautiful. God's a, a God of mercy that are new every single morning. Amen? Amen? And so as a church, we come here not perfect. We come here a hot mess. Yeah? I mean, all the perfect people left already, right? They're gone. They went somewhere else. Uh, and we are a group of people that believe that our hope is not based on our perfection, but it is based on the one who continually transforms us into his image, and that is God and God alone. Second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior. Trusting God is the, is the best roller coaster ride on planet Earth, right? Uh, trust requires all that, that same word of trust is faith, is belief, all the same words. And all that means is that we have a relationship with God where we actually listen to Him. I've been talking about last week, like God never tires of choosing you, God wants you. And the whole point is for God to be close to you. So trust is a relationship word, and that's what God has for you, a relationship of unending life and love that starts now and goes for all eternity. That's God's plan for you. And then finally, God wants to use you right now to bring restoration to this world. And so Mary gets to bring restoration to someone who does not, uh, who is yet to have uh, this church love on them in this way. And I can't wait to see what happens and hear the story. Woo! It's exciting. 
You guys have no idea the small things that you do and the big things that you do that are literally creating miracles in people's life left and right. And so I praise and thank God for you. And you don't have to have a seminary education or string four sinless days in a row in order to be used by God. God wants to use you right now. Amen? Amen. Great. So each one of these truths has a choice attached to it, and that choice sounds like this. And we say this together every single week. And so if you like to choose, again, to follow Jesus and put him first in your life, then declare this with me out loud. Choose this with me out loud. Ready? Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus' work. I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. I didn't even say the middle line correctly. I choose to, I choose to seek Jesus first. That's amen. That's, here it is. Let's pray before I get into any more trouble. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. God, we trust you. Father, help. Awaken our souls this morning. We say to our own soul, awaken, O my soul. God, we want our hearts to be before you. And so we choose to say yes to you. Speak to us. Transform us, set us free, God. Help. And again, we bind up and silence anything opposed to you, Jesus, that would be seeking to bother us or distract us or to attack us now in Jesus' name. And we cast the enemy out of this place now in Jesus' name, praying protection and love and joy in this place. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So uh, we are in the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, this is Paul preaching or speaking or writing to the church in Ephesus. Um, and remember that the church in Ephesus, is, Ephesus is like mod, it was like modern-day L.A. It was a huge city, and this small little church is filled with Jews and Gentiles, and they're, you know, they, they don't root for the same team. They have completely different backgrounds. And what Paul has done in the first chapter of his letter to them is that he said, you know, your identity is not in your ethnic heritage. Your identity is not in your experience or your background. Your identity is not in how much income you have or don't have or where you've been in your life, whether you've had a perfect life or whether it's just been one train wreck after the next. That's not it. Your identity is the fact that you were adopted by God. You're chosen by Him. You've been claimed by Him. And remember, adoption in the ancient world also required the adoptee to say yes. And so we say yes to be given an, a, a remarkable inheritance. And in that inheritance is all, always comes with a purpose. When we are inheritors of God's estate and all of his riches, we are called to use that for the blessing of people who are in God's family and who have yet to know that they even belong to God. We're the only organization on planet Earth that exists for the sake of people who aren't its members yet. You picking up what I'm putting down, yes? Yes? So this is, Paul is, is giving, he's taking this church in Ephesus and he's saying, look, um, the things that you have in common, your, your need for God, your brokenness, your, your, your worthiness, your beauty, your talent, your purpose, all of this, this is the foundation of our life together as the church, right? That's our foundation of the life together. It's not in how 
perfect we are pretending to be. Again, we drove those people away a long time ago. So, um, and the idea is this, is that you and I, you and I have a story, and that story is I was dead, and now I'm alive because of Jesus. And, and so what Paul is going to do today is he's going to talk about the inheritance that we have. And it's inheritance both directly from God through his Holy Spirit, his very presence, and it's the inheritance that we have together as the church. And so Paul, again, this first chapter of Ephesians is like a deli sandwich stacked with metaphor upon metaphor upon metaphor, truth upon truth upon truth. It's the longest singular sentence in the New Testament. And when we read it, we think, this is amazing, and I have no idea what Paul is saying. So welcome to the club. Ain't nobody ever reads this for the first time and goes, well, that makes sense. So that's why we got to slow it down because each one of these words weighs 50 pounds. And Paul intended it to be that way so that you would hear it and you would go, wait, say that again. Wait, say that again. Wait, say that again. Because in the repetition is a strategy because the repetition helps you understand that our initial heart response to good news like this is to say, nah, that's not for me. So Paul's trying to break down our resistance to hearing incredible good news. So can we just, um, are, are you okay if we just say no, no to our own resistance right now? Would that be okay? All of you are resisting except six people. So... Is that okay? Can we just get rid of our resistance? Leave. Resistance, go away. God, we want you. Amen? Okay, so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul is in the middle of a prayer for his friends, and he says this. I keep asking, read this with me. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Him is Jesus, okay? So that you may, so what is Paul saying? Paul's praying for his friends, and it's a pretty straightforward prayer. I'm asking God the Father to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know Jesus better. Make sense? Perfect, let's eat. We're we're good to go. I want you to notice what Paul isn't praying for. Paul isn't asking God to make you behave more. Paul isn't asking God for you to do more. Paul isn't asking God to make you stop doing whatever that you're doing. Why? Because your heart and your mind and your spirit is not changed from the outside in. It's changed from the inside out by God's spirit within you. Your your life gets transformed as you know Jesus more and more. Not know about Jesus, but to actually speak to him. Talk to him, listen to him, follow his directions. That's 
what changes you more specifically, grammatically, he changes you. So to be a Christian, literally, is to have a relationship with God. That's what it is. It's, there's, it's not like you invite Jesus into your heart and then that's like kindergarten and then one day you'll get to college. No, 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 no. You just keep on inviting him in deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more and more places because our, our, the one thing that we experience all as human beings is that we don't know ourselves very well. So then Paul prays that God will give us wisdom and revelation. So let's talk about the two words, wisdom and revelation. Why is wisdom important? Here it is. Ready? Wisdom is from God. Wisdom from God is seeing the world in front of us and actually understanding what we see. Revelation is when God literally shows up and reveals himself. Does that make sense? Those are the two differences. Wisdom from God is seeing the world in front of us and actually understanding what we see. And revelation is when God literally shows up and reveals himself. So why is wisdom important in knowing Jesus? Let me give you an example. There's this old funny-looking guy. His name was Sir Isaac Newton. (laughs) Anybody ever heard of Isaac Newton, right? Discover the law of gravity. Um, Isaac Newton created in a pretty beautiful exact replica of our solar system that had the sun and then all of the planets came out like on little sticks and then he would wind the gears and all of the planets would rotate in their actual orbits according to the gearing. It was, it was, uh, it was a spectacular piece of engineering but it was all based on the math that Galileo had done a hundred years, or a couple hundred years previously. And as one day was Newton was working on his model, a friend who did not believe in God, another scientist friend, stopped by for a visit. And marveling at the device and watching the scientists as he made all of these planets move in their exact orbit, Isaac Newton's friend said this, my gosh, Newton, this is an exquisite thing. Who made it for you? And Newton said, nobody. And his friend said, what? Nobody? And Newton said, yeah, that's right. I said nobody. All of these balls and cogs and belts and gears just happened to come together. (laughs) And wonder of wonders, by chance, they began revolving in their set orbits with perfect timing. (laughs) I love it that that Isaac Newton was sarcastic, (laughs) right? So fun. Why, why am I giving you this example? Because Newton's friend understood all the laws of science, but he had no wisdom. At this moment, Newton is trying to give his buddy wisdom that the eyes of this guy's heart would see that just as a model was formed by its creator, Newton himself, so the entire world and universe was created by its creator. It's not just random chance. And don't, look judge, don't judge or look down on Newton's friend either. We struggle to believe that Jesus loves us and is for us and is with us, even though that we will gladly tell others the truth, right? You dragged someone here today hoping they'd get it, right? <laughs> but you yourself don't even believe, right? Not all the time. Wisdom then, wisdom, read this with me. Wisdom is remembering in the middle of the struggle and pain and heartache 
that Jesus adores you and has you and will never let you go. Why is this wisdom? Because this is the actual truth of our situation. When you see the truth of your situation and your life clearly, then you'll know what to do. But if you think that you're abandoned by God or that you're left behind by God or God doesn't care about you or you're worthless or you're insignificant or you're unwanted or unloved, I know all of those feelings deeply and intimately. It's not the truth of the situation. God loves you. He loves you. He's with you. He's for you. He chooses you. He's never let you go. That's wisdom, is holding on to that. So how does God give us wisdom? Ah, my favorite teacher, pain. (laughs) Uh, So first, God gives us wisdom through our experience. God says, would you like to learn from your experience? Most of the time, I say, no, thank you. I know exactly what I'm doing, (laughs) right? So that's our first uh, experience is a way that God helps us understand, right? All of us are going to pay for an education. Doesn't matter if you've gone to college or not. All of us have a doctorate in stupidity, right? (laughs) Amen? And we've paid dearly for that degree, right? But it helps us understand, like we've learned. Younger people never understand why older people are irritated all the time, (laughs) right? It's because we know better. But the most wisdom, there's another way that we get wisdom, and that's the most wisdom I've ever received is from this second way. And the second way is from the wise words of people who love me. Your friends are literally sent by God to tell you the truth, to give you wisdom, to help you see what you cannot see. Does that make sense? If not wisdom is not seeing clearly, God gives you people to help you see the situation clearly. When we struggle to believe and remember that Jesus loves us or is with us or for us, when we're lost in our martyrdom or in our pride or in our self-ambition or our resentment or whatever it is that we're lost in, God will give us people in our life to say, hey, that's not the story that you're in. Paul's prayer is that you would be given a spirit of wisdom, that you would have a friend that would come along, that you would... See not only in your heart and remember that God loves you, that you'd learn from your experience, but that you'd have people in your life like Newton who would say, hey, let me reorient you. Let me remind you that Jesus is way bigger and way more in control and he loves you and he's way better than you could ever think. And that you would choose to believe it. Because just because you're given wisdom by somebody doesn't mean that you'll actually listen. You keep on having the same conversation over and over with people? Listen up, y'all. Here's your billboard. If you're having the same issue and the same conversation, it's because you're not listening. Oh, welcome to my life. So... Do you choose to believe that Jesus adores you and has you and will never let you go? It's a choice, y'all. You get to choose this or not. You can say, no, I don't feel like it. That's your choice. But this is wisdom. This is actual truth. Do you choose to believe that he's doing something in the middle of this painful moment that will be good for you? 
Do you choose that Jesus has good things for you? Do you choose to believe that you're not disqualified or forgotten? So then Paul prays for God to reveal himself to you so that you might, again, know Jesus better. Remember, Revelation is God literally showing up and making himself undeniably real to you right now. And if it feels like I've read all your text messages and your journal entries, this is God's revelation to you, right? Now, if you were to collect all of our stories in this room about how God miraculously showed up in the big things and in the little things, and we were to publish them in the book, it would be undeniably scientific evidence that God is real, okay? That's just this little room of saints. But again, here's the sticking point for all humanity. God's revelation is often ignored or rejected. God reveals himself to us, and we don't want what God is offering. Well, it's not our timing. It's not aligned with our expectations, or it doesn't serve our self-interest. God will reveal himself to us, and we'll go, oh, that's okay, I'm fine. For decades, I've assumed that God was supposed to give me what I wanted, when I wanted, and how I wanted it. I was a Christian. Doesn't this slot machine work in Jesus' name? Give me it. (laughs) Now, what do I have to do? Fine, I'll give some money. Give me it in Jesus' name. You want me to pray? Now, in Jesus' name. Oh, God. Wait, God, now, in Jesus' name. Right? How am I supposed to do this? Oh, I got to buy Christian CDs. I got to throw away my other Christians, old Christians. You know what a CD is? I got to throw away my eight track tapes, my LPs. Not the LPs, they're valuable now. Right? Like, how does this work? I would get mad that God wouldn't give me the job or the experience or that thing because that's what I wanted. Then God would reveal himself in the middle of my heartache and grief. And I'm like, what? Why are you here? I wanted that thing. Be there. I never wanted what God God was offering. Let me be even more specific, painfully so. For decades, I wanted God to take away my responsibilities, but also give me the benefits that come with responsibilities. God, make me happy and joyful, and also allow me to be completely disobedient and rebellious and not suffer any consequences. God, give me joy and also help me to hold on to my resentments and judge the hell out of people. (laughs) God, increase my faith even though I don't rely on you at all. Sound familiar? Again, just sharing with you my life. I never wanted to show up for people if it was inconvenient for me. Oh, it's not work hours. I'm not answering your call. Wait, you're going to impinge upon my Netflix time? No, no, no. It's my day off. I never wanted to sacrifice for anyone. I mean, I wanted you all to sacrifice for me. But me sacrifice for you, for anybody? No, that, that's not how it's supposed to be. I've always wanted the gift of healing. 
for my glory. But I never wanted the gift of healing for the people who were actually hurt. I just wanted me to look good. And then over the course of two years, these last two years, God has showed me what it looks like to sacrifice and to love people well. I've had amazing friends that have shown me what this looks like and helped me do it. And now all of a sudden when I pray for people, healing happens. Amen. And it's not about me. It's about the people who need to get healed because they need to see that Jesus is good and he loves them. And now when I think back upon that time of me wanting healing to be about me, I am utterly ashamed. You see, the closer I get to Jesus, the more that I understand his heart, that he wants the best for me, the more that he reveals himself in the middle of my disobedience and also my obedience and love, the more that I know him. Jesus is the one who never gives up on me. So that means I also get to be the one who never gives up on people no matter what it costs. I pray God gives you wisdom and revelation so that you may know Jesus better. I pray that God gives you friends who will speak the truth to you and that you would listen so that you can see how the world is truly is, how it's oriented, so you could see clearly what's happening in front of you, that your eyes would be open as God reveals himself in those moments to you. And then Paul continues to pray. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened or open, verse 18, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? I'm pointing means read with me. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? In the saints. Paul asks, he prays that we would see the incredible hope and have a hope in our, our, in our hearts because of the inheritance that we have in Christ and also in the saints. So the first thing is, do you believe that you are God's treasure? Yes. Can I speak the part of your heart that doesn't believe that you're God's treasure? Yes. You are God's treasure. Right now. I don't care how disobedient what's been done to you. Your story I don't, does not matter. You are God's treasure right now. Right now. Right this very moment. What's this hope that we have? What's the inheritance that we've been given? Paul says it in his next breath. Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? No one knows what this means. Your minds just went blank. <laughs> Paul again stacks up the adjectives and deep truths to help us see the scale of how much God loves us. God's gift to you, the inheritance that you gift, get is the literal Holy Spirit in you, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Does that make sense? It's dizzying how great the inheritance that you've been given. 
This week in staff meeting, Joe was complaining about his knee, and I went to pray for it, and he said, no, 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 man, my knee needs way more healing than prayer can do. And while Joe was joking in the moment, all of us carry around that form of a lie, don't we? Right? I don't think the Holy Spirit can solve this issue in me or in them. I don't think the Holy Spirit can solve this hot mess. This is way beyond God's scope. Right? I don't don't think the Holy Spirit can fix this, this kind of broken. Right? And so what we end up walking around with is this belief. We think that the Holy Spirit can improve slightly damaged people into better people. But lost people into found people? Nah. Dead people into alive people? Well, maybe them, but not me. And deep in our bones, we know that our issues aren't issues of slight damage, right? What we don't, like you and I know deep in our bones that what we need is, a li- is more than just a little bit of a moral improvement, right? We're dead, all the way broken, dead. And thus we believe the lie that either we have to resurrect ourselves, which is impossible, or somehow make up for or cover up the death stench. So we Febreze ourselves with religiosity, right? I'm great, I'm fine, right? Praise God, too blessed to be distressed, blah, 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 blah. Right, thoughts and prayers, pray for you. Right? Or our favorite tactic is we get mad at other people that have our sin. How dare they be judgmental and angry? Oh, wait. I was just being judgmental and angry. Right? Paul's trying to help us understand through a brilliant prayer that our view of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is based on what we think we can do, not what we think God can do. So is the Holy Spirit an aspirin that takes away your pain for a moment? or a surgeon that can heal you. Listen, you're never gonna want the Holy Spirit to work in your life if you think that the Holy Spirit is like 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. Surgery is painful. Amen? Amen. Surgery is uncomfortable, but at the end, you're better for it. You can take ibuprofen all day long and it won't change a thing. Is Jesus your forgiveness credit card that can lend you help as long as you pay him back with ridiculous interest rates of higher expectations? Forgive me, Lord. I'll make up for it, I promise. Is that your Jesus? Or is he the one who has paid your debt in full and deposited into your account more righteousness than you could ever blow through for all eternity. Is he the guy, is, is he the credit card company that you have to be afraid of and resent because you have to make up for it all the time? Or is he the one that loves you and has paid your debt in full? How do you view God? Did Jesus really defeat the enemy so that you can have abundant life? Or are you like me? By the way, all these examples are me. Just to be clear, I'm not, I didn't, no one paid me to preach to you specifically, except you, Ron, right? Uma did pay, you're the only one, uh, right? But all these are for me. This is what I do, right? 
Sometimes I still keep the enemy around on a leash because I think maybe if I just dip back into temptation that for a moment I'll have something better than Jesus can offer. We've given up our inheritance of the Holy Spirit's resurrection power in exchange for the temporary comfort of our control and power that changes little and never satisfies. And this is what the enemy wants you to do, and this is what the world encourages you to do all day long. So, here's my question. Do you want the inheritance that God has given you? Eleven people said yes. This is where you get to say yes or no. Again, your choice matters. Do you want the inheritance that God has given you? Yes. Great, then let's take it back. Are you ready to pray? Yes. Here we go. It goes like this. Again, I'm not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. Just read with it. Let me read it to you first. Jesus, I'm sorry I've given up my inheritance of your resurrection power. I don't listen to or rely upon you, Holy Spirit. I've given up my faith in exchange for my control, and it's not what I truly want. I take back my faith in you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I want your presence and your power in my life. I choose to listen to you, trust your leading, and take back my obedience and my prayer. You want to do it? Great, let's go. Here we go. Say it out loud with me. If you're online, say it out loud. If you're driving, say it out loud. If you're Sam and Danielle and you're sitting in your parents' living room, scream it to wake up your father. Here we go. Are you ready? Jesus, I'm sorry I've given up my inheritance of your resurrection power. I don't listen to or rely upon you, Holy Spirit. I've given up my faith in exchange for my control, and it's not what I truly want. I take back my faith in you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I want your presence and your power in my life. I choose to listen to you, trust your leading, and my prayer. Amen? Amen. And then he keeps on praying, Paul does. God's power that is at work is in you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And God has now seated Jesus at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he's put, read it with me. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. And you're probably wondering, what does this mean? And here it is. Verse 22, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. And here's the second part of your inheritance. It's you. It's each other. It's to literally have each other. Like the church is not the building. The church is not the pastor. You are the church. Amen. You are the church. You are the church. You. You are the church. Your togetherness is the church. It's an unbelievable inheritance to give to one another. When people say, I'm thinking about moving to be where my kids are, I always say, don't do it. <laughs> Why? Because it's really fun to see them, and then it's really fun to not see them. <laughs> it is. Can't tell you how many people have moved to be with their kids, and they think, oh, I can't wait to be with my kids. And then guess what? The kids are busy. 
The grandkids are busier. Amen? And you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs and you're going, why did I move in the middle of nowhere for these people? Right? <laughs> the inheritance that we have as a family that chooses each other is unbelievable. You have purpose here. You have meaning here. You have significance here. You have relationships here. You have friendships here. You have a place where you can be loved on when you're desperate for love. You have a place where you can love abundantly when you have all the love to give. This is the community, the body of Christ. There's no other organization like it. There's no other family like it where we all together are committed to break down the doors of hell and set captives free. On Friday, we celebrated one year of Celebrate Recovering. People walked down. They gave their testimonies. They had a cardboard sign. They said, I was broken, lost, addicted, destroyed. They turned it around. I'm full of life. I'm resurrected. I'm loved. I'm, I'm wanted. I'm delivered. And every single one of those people... Every single one of those people has a story. It's a story that you're included in. They've been changed for a dollar recipients. They've been help that the deacons have given them. They've been coming to prayer retreats. They've come to prayer nights. They've literally been a part of the fabric of this church, and you've loved them back to life. You have. You have. You are the church. In you, there's awesome, incredible power. When you pray, look, at all the great revivals is because a church prays and loves well. And you're doing both. A church that just prays and then thoughts and prayers it when it comes to the practical needs of others, that ain't a church. You are a church that is actually giving your time, energy, money, resources to lift people up. This last week, we had, again, another homeless family moved into these cottages that the county is providing, and they moved in, and they had nothing. And then an hour later, they had their entire place furnished because of you. Because of you. Just before World War II in New London, Texas, a school fire took, tragically, the lives of 300 kids. It's awful. Almost every family in that town was touched by the tragedy. It was absolutely terrible. And so they did. They, it, it was because of that school fire that changed the laws nationwide, starting in Texas, to have sprinkler systems in every school. And uh, so during the war, there was no school was rebuilt, but after the world war, they rebuilt the school and they had a brand new state-of-the-art incredible sprinkler system there that, that, that was just amazing. And like the Boy Scouts would give tours to local leaders and the students would say, look at our sprinkler system. It was the first of its kind and inspired and set the engineering standards for all the sprinkler systems that would come for the next 50 years in this country. Seven years after the building of that school, they had to expand because New London, Texas was growing by leaps and bounds. And when they added the new wing onto the school to hook up the new sprinkler system, they realized that they'd never turned the water on. They had a state-of-the-art sprinkler system that had never been connected. Listen, you have all of the resources in the world. You have the state of this art. You have, you have, you have all this inheritance. You have everything in your life. You, your life has been burned down to the ground, and then God gave you everything that you needed. 
in order for that never to happen again. In fact, he gave you all the tools and all the power and all the resources right here in your heart and in each other for your life to, to just flourish. And it's your choice to be connected or not. Prayer is your connection to God. And honesty is your connection to one another. And I just want to encourage you. You guys are doing both so well. And I'm here to say that you're an answer to my prayer. And I'm also here to pray for you more. 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 We are the church. And y'all, God is moving in this place. And it's time. It's time to pray big prayers. It's time to knock down bigger walls. It's time to grow and expand. It's time to do incredible things for God's community and God's people that are, do not yet belong to this church. Are you ready? Will you pray with me? Father, I pray for a spirit of prayer, a gifting of prayer, a gifting of wisdom and revelation, a gifting of worship, a gifting of love in this church like never seen before. I pray, God, that you would show us what it looks like to say yes to you when you reveal yourself, to listen to our friends, to love, to sacrifice. I pray, Lord Jesus, against the enemy's plans to rob, steal, and destroy what you've done in our hearts here today. And God, I pray for those who are carrying grief and burdens and heartache and hopelessness, and I pray that you would lift all of that right now and that you would show us the story that we're truly in, that you're here and that you love us and you've never let us go. Bless and seal these good things in the hearts of my friends and all God's people said. We have incredible food for you. We love you. If you want to join us after second service for lunch, and if you're new, please do that. Otherwise, let's stand for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, have a great day, y'all. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.